Eternal rest grant to them, O Lord, and let light perpetual shine upon them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. Today, we remember, we remember, and honor, and mourn, and commend to the mercy of Almighty God those who have died, particularly those who have died in Christ, all the faithful departed. We remember them, and we pray for them. In fact, we offer prayers for the departed, not just today, but every Sunday. It's what the church does, and it's what the church has always done. The liturgies of the ancient church, all of them as far as I know, included prayers for the departed. It's not, then, a medieval accretion. That is, in addition, although it has been abused. This is the ancient faith. Even the Israelites, under the Old Covenant, prayed for and offered sacrifices on behalf of those who died. Our Lord, in his earthly sojourn, would have attended and participated in services in which the dead were prayed for. St. Paul in 2 Timothy prays for Anesiphorus, who from the context appears to be dead. He's talking about him uh, in the past tense, in a way different from the other people that he mentions in his letter. And the prayer itself says this, The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. Now what day is St. Paul talking about? The day of the Lord. The day of judgment. He says over in 2 Corinthians, that is St. Paul says, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for the deeds done in the body, whether good or evil. So at the very least, and I feel like I could convince a dyed-in-the-wool Baptist of this, except for my mom maybe, we should be praying for the dead that God would have mercy on their souls in the day of judgment. But you know, part of the problem, I think some of the reason there, there's pushback on this, besides of the abuses that have happened throughout the history of the church, and there's this whole economy and, and purgatory and pay for pray and all that kind of stuff, which of course as Anglicans uh, we reject. The problem, I think, is that we tend to think of prayer in terms of only petition. Prayer is asking God to do things for me or someone else. But prayer is more than that. Prayer is the whole of our relationship with God, of being with Him, of communion with Him, of lifting up our hearts to God. And so if prayer is the lifting up of one's heart to God, and those whom we love and see no longer are always in our hearts. They're always on our hearts. They're inexorably there. 
then how can we pray without them somehow being involved, without making mention of them? St. John Chrysostom says, Let us not then be weary in giving aid to the departed and of offering prayers for them. Now, we don't know a lot. The Bible talks a lot about this life, and it talks a lot about the life to come, the world to come, the age to come. Not a lot is said about the intermediate state, that middle place between death and resurrection. So how our prayers give aid to the departed becomes a mystery pretty quick. But one Anglican bishop wrote this speculation, and and he, he admits it as such. He says, in the eternity of God, it is perfectly possible that prayers from the living today may help the dead of the past in their own lifetimes. God is outside of time. This is me now. God's not bound by time. So let me take this speculation a bit further. It is possible possible that you have received aid, encouragement, strength, grace through prayers that have not been prayed yet, but will be after your death. My death? Father Matt, are you saying that that I'm going to die? Probably. There's two people in the Bible that didn't die or they didn't have a normal death. Enoch and Elijah. Enoch walked with God and he was no more for God took him. And then Elijah got the the elevator ride, right? (laughs) This on the chariot of fire up to heaven. So there's been, what, approximately 14, 15 billion people that have lived in history. So two and 15 billion. So it's possible, but your odds aren't looking good. No, Hebrews says that it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. We are having wonderful, beautiful requiem on All Souls Day. So that's a double whammy. So All all Souls, our namesake, is focused on offering prayers for the faithful departed. And we are observing our namesake with a requiem mass. And a requiem mass is a mass for the dead. So do you know what that means? It means for all intents and purposes right now, you're at a funeral. And we don't like funerals, do we? They make us uncomfortable. And you know what? That makes sense. Because death is terrible. It'd be weird if we really, really liked them. The reality is, we need to think about our own mortality. We need to prepare for it, because life is like a vapor. None of us is promised tomorrow. And now look, I hope that you and everyone that you love lived, and I've prayed this on your anniversary blessing, if you've been, my long-winded birthday blessings, 
I know you trail off after 10 seconds, right? That's fine. Pray that you have a long, happy, and healthy life. But more than that, God wants us to have holy lives. We need to be about, we need to be investing in the age to come. Because this life, as important as it is, and it is important, what we do in this life with Jesus will determine our life in the age to come. But in terms of temporality, time, this life is a grain of sand on the shore side of your existence. And like sand, it shifts. It's unstable. And so we need to be anchored. We need to build the houses of our lives on the rock, which is Jesus Christ. We need to prepare to die so that we can meet our end in peace and in confidence. Christians should not fear death. But many of us, most of us, the vicar not excluded, are scared to death of death. St. Athanasius in On the Incarnation argued that we know Jesus Christ has conquered death. One of the proofs that Jesus Christ has indeed conquered death is that Christians don't fear it. I wonder if he could write that today. Our goal should be to die well. One of our goals as Christians our goal should be to grow in our relationship with Christ to the point that we not only don't fear death, but look forward to it in a healthy, Pauline way. What did Paul say? I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. If you could speak with those whom you love but see no longer who have died in Christ. They would tell you, I love you, I miss you, but this is far better. Christ is our hope in life, and in death. So as we remember the departed, as we remember that barring the return of Christ in our own lifetimes, each and every one of us will die. In the midst of all of that, we must remember our hope. So I'm not telling you, and only Gen Xers will get this, to be emo or goth. And if you went through a golf stage in high school, that's fine. I'm not attacking you. We all had our things. I'm not telling you to fixate that the Christian position is to fixate 
on death in general, but rather to focus on the death, the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, who by his death trampled down death, and by his resurrection opened unto us the way of everlasting life. All Souls Day is not a dark and depressing day, albeit solemn. It's a day full of hope. It's full of hope because the souls of the righteous are in the hand of God and no torment shall touch them. The dead in Christ are not gone. They're in that middle place of which Jesus speaks in John 14. It's called paradise. It's called Abraham's bosom. They're in a place of refreshment in and with Christ, awaiting the last day when, as our gospel said, they shall hear Christ's voice and live where they will be raised from the dead. This is a day full of hope because your hope and my hope is that I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin is thus destroyed, my body is destroyed, in my flesh, I will see God. And our hope, which is Christ himself and none other, is remembered. Think of the opposite of dismembered. Remembered on the altar in a corporeal, bodily sense. We receive his very body and blood, which is a pledge, a promise of our resurrection at the end of the age. John 6, Jesus said, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And as a bit of comfort now, we'll close with this. We are nowhere nearer. We are nowhere closer to the faithful departed to our loved ones who have died in Christ than we are before the throne, before the altar and the Holy Eucharist. The whole church is gathered here, the living and the dead, in fellowship and in adoration of Almighty God, who is good. God loves his children, whether in the body or out of the body, with an ineffable, indescribable love. And it is too, that God, the God who holds his children in his hands, and nothing, not even death, can snatch them away. It's to that God that we commend those whom we love, but see no longer, saying, may the souls of the faithful departed, through the mercy of God, rest in peace.